So I wanted to bring to everyone's attention that is here uh, with us this morning. We have an amazing uh, couple in our church, and they help give guidance and leadership to an amazing outreach initiative, outreach ministry called Get Back Up. So around here, we call it GBU for short. Just hold your applause. Hang on just a second. Hang on just a second, Ken. I know you're hyped. Just hang on just a second, okay? I'm going to turn you out of the cage here in just a second. Okay, so this lovely couple named Cornelius and Sophia, they they lead a ministry that targets specifically people who are homeless, people who are living on the street, and to sit with them and talk about the heart that they have for this city and for people that so many of them at a some type of physical or mental disadvantage. There's so many circumstances that lead to a situation of homelessness. To hear, number one, the expertise that they bring to the table, to understand their own personal schedules that they have to deal with and work through. They both work full-time jobs that are very demanding, and they still find time and make time to go out into our city and to minister to the hurting and to the lost is so amazing. And so before I get to the meat, I want to talk about, or excuse me, before I get to the potatoes, I want to talk about the meat. And the meat is that we as a church body and church family are so blessed and humbled to have them as a part of our church family because they have an amazing heart for God and an amazing heart to love people. And so yesterday there was a GBU Get Back Up Outreach. And I want to say thank you to all of you who are members of the Gate Church that you were there and you participated in that outreach. And so we want to say thank you as a house and as a team for being willing to sacrifice your time and your treasure and to love on the needy in our city. And now, could you all help me say thank you to our volunteers who helped yesterday to spread the love of the gospel in our city? then the scripture says to show honor where honor is due. And so this lovely couple has been so gracious in that we have partnered with them. They've invited us to work together as friends and family. And so we are blessed because of their willingness to say yes. Can you all help me show honor to this lovely couple? I'm not going to have them stand up, but they're sitting right here in front of this camera. Would you mind uh, help me show some honor for their heart and their willingness to serve Jesus? and to serve our city. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Amen and amen and amen. Now, I'm so excited to be able to share the word with you today. I'm going to read a very short passage from Numbers 14. And so you know that we're in the middle of a a two-block series of sermons, and we're in the second phase talking about pyramids and promises. In the first block, we were discussing pyramids and people, studying the story of Exodus, how God raises up Moses, breaks slavery off of his people, and God wants to lead his people into a promised land where they don't have to be a slave. The purpose of their life is not to build another man's pyramid, but that they can live in God's presence and in his promise. And so there's so much truth, so much meaning that we can extrapolate from these stories. And so we've had to kind of skip and jump along for the purposes of we could spend years and years studying that story. But there comes a time 
where Moses, by God's leading, they get the people to the borderland. So they're on the border of the Sinai Peninsula and the promised land that we now call Israel. They're on the border there at a little town, a little place called Kadesh Barnea. And so they're in this kind of holding right on the border. They are poised to make an overland invasion into the promised land and to prepare for their military assault. Moses sends out 12 spies to do a reconnaissance of the land. And so these men are gone for 40 days and they come back. And many of us are familiar with the story. The 12 spies come back and they say this, the land is everything that God said it was. It is truly a land that flows with milk and honey. Only one problem. The people who live there are strong. The people who live there, some of them are giants and they live in cities that are fortified. And I want to emphasize that in this time period to live in a fortified city was the equivalent of having strong military power. When you fight, fight from defenses on top of a wall, one man can fight 20. And so this was such a huge deal to them because the people of Israel, we don't have cities. We don't have catapults. We don't have bows and arrows and all that. We've got spears and swords and shields. And so they said, we're facing overwhelming obstacles to occupy God's promise. And so we pick up here, 10 of the men give an evil report and they panic and they say, we can't do it. It's too hard, it's too difficult, but two men, two righteous men, two faith-filled men, two men, one named Joshua and another named Caleb, they spoke up against a whole nation and they said, the land is everything that God has promised and he is with us. We should go up and be against us. But the people of Israel, they yield to the negative report. And this is what happens beginning in Numbers chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. And so can I just point something out to you? God has kept his people at this point in the story time and time again. He has fed them clothed them. He has guided them by night and shaded them during the day. He has caused water to come from a rock. He has healed them and he has given them an eternal divine love note that says this, you are my special people and I have drawn you to myself and put you under my wing and under my protection and all I want is to give you a land of promise so that we can live together, so we can be one together and I will defend you and give you everything that I said I would. It's like a knight in shining armor rescuing the quote-unquote damsel in distress. She doesn't have a way to fend for herself. And this, this knight comes along and says, I love you and I will risk my life for you because that's how precious you are to me. This is how God and the people have walked together. But don't you know there comes a time in covenant where sometimes we got to get muddy 
And sometimes we got to get bloody. Because I come to remind the Gate Church today that to occupy promises sometimes looks and feels like hard work. I wonder, is there anybody who will wave and testify at me and say, Preacher, man, I know what you're talking about. I've had to trust God and I've had to contend for some promises. And I know that sometimes it even feels like warfare. Is there anybody who can testify and let me know that, yes, sir, I know what you're talking about. Sometimes it feels like going to war. And so we see that the people have been removed from their slavery, but Moses has been unsuccessful in removing the slavery from the inside of them. And so before there's been mud and before there has been blood, they're already giving up. And so if you actually just skip a verse ahead into the very end of chapter 13, this was what the people believed. We're like grasshoppers in the sight of those people who live there. And so what was it? We're afraid. You can read the fear in chapter 14 where they're saying this, that it would have been better if we'd have died back there because if we go forward then our wives and our children will be victims because we'll all be killed. Do you hear the fear? It's not even happened yet, and they're already afraid of what will happen. And so I've had some very specific instruction from the Lord to address and to call out the spirit, the attitude, and the practice of fear. And so as I was studying and preparing the Lord began to speak to me in a strong way and led me to a New Testament story so that we all as a congregation can understand how to address fear in our life thank you Sarah and so if you will you can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25 Matthew chapter 25 we're going to start reading in verse 14 Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 this is a parable that Jesus himself shared with his disciples and his followers. And it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Now let me just pause real quick. If you don't know, a talent is a form of currency. So we use the word talent to describe your natural giftings and talents. But these talents is money, resources. And so the master gave to each servant according to the servant's ability. So there's three servants. One gets five, one gets two, and another gets one. And the master gave them according to their own abilities. And then immediately the master goes on his journey Verse 16, then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So he doubled his money. Verse 17, and likewise, he who had received two, he gained two more also. So he doubled his money. But he who had received only one talent went and dug in the ground and he hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came to settle the accounts with them. So the master comes back from his journey and he wants an account. What have you done with the talent, the resources that I gave you? Verse 20. So he, had, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents and look, I gained five more talents besides them. In other words, Lord, I doubled the money you gave me. 
Verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and so I will make you the ruler over many. Oh, man, I love that so much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What's the joy of the Lord? See, the joy of the Lord is when I have done my master's bidding, when I have served my master well. There's peace between he and I because I have served him well. Verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. And look, I have gained two more besides the ones that you gave me. And his Lord said the same thing to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then come the third servant. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Pay real close attention. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. But look right here, master, I'm paraphrasing. Look, there you have what is yours. So he didn't lose the talent but he didn't do nothing with it. Why? I was afraid. Verse 26, but the Lord answered to his servants, to him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with bankers and at my coming, I would have at least been able to receive back my own with some interest. So he took the talent from the wicked servant and he gave it to him who had 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast and he cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we know that there are big things being talked about here with severe and dire consequences. I wanna make just one quick point before I pray. Notice the servant who was afraid. He said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man because you reap where you haven't sown. You make something out of nothing. Oh, I'm preaching already. Lord, I know that you are hard, you are just, you are precise, you rule with a strong arm, a strong hand, and you cause things to be fruitful where they were not fruitful before. That intimidated me and that scared me, and so I have not done anything with it. And notice this, that the master didn't disagree. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you use me today to communicate clearly, efficiently, and accurately. Holy Spirit, I ask that you cause the word of God to, call, to come alive in our hearts and in our minds today. Now help pray this with me, church. Lord, we open our hearts to your voice and to your word today. Lord, we're hungry to hear and to learn from you. Lord, we promise you all the glory. And Lord, we put our trust in you and in your word that it will do what it has always done, that it will change men and women's lives forever. Now, thank you. So, just a few things that I want to say to you about fear. We see two stories that they have a parallel. There are a couple of contributing factors that make them similar. The people of Israel had an assignment and they had a promise. 
And that promise is what God said it would be. It was good. It was prosperous. It was fruitful. And what was the promise? You will go into a land that flows with milk and honey. Your sons and daughters will harvest from vineyards that they didn't plant. Fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus is teaching a parable and he says this, that serving and living in God's kingdom looks like this. There is a promise. There is an expectation. And what? That to live in a land that is good. And here is sometimes what it feels like, that there's more than enough. There's plenty to go around. I have given you talents and resources to go out into my world that I have created, help take wicked things and turn them for good. There's a harvest to be reaped. There is work to be done. And the master expects there to be a return on his investment that he has given us. That is some good preaching right there already. He expects a return on his investment. And so the master, he creates new things, new life, prosperity where there was none before. And then he expects us to do the same thing in turn. No matter what he gave you according to your measure, he expects you to do something with it. Whether you're a servant who you got one talent, you know what? That's okay. Sometimes I feel like the one talent guy, so I'm helping myself if I'm not helping anybody else. He, God has the same amount of respect. He gives the same amount of opportunity to the one talent guy. You may be a two-talent guy, and you know what? You're doing a little better than some, but you're not the best, and you know what? That's okay, too, because God gave to you according to your measure, according to your abilities. You might be a five-talent heavy hitter, batting a 1,000, cashing them checks, stacks on stacks on stacks, man. You know what I'm saying. That might be you. You might be slinging and willing and dealing and making things happen, moving and shaking, cutting deals and cashing checks. And so God bless you. If that's you, we love you, and we bless you. We do talk about you sometimes when you're not around because we are a little bit jealous, but God gave each according to your abilities. And so if you're a five talent guy or gal, we love you for it, but the master expects you to take your five and to do something with it because he wants a return on his investment. And so the similar situations are similar in this way that God is expecting a return. And so here's what happened. The people of Israel failed because of one thing, what? They were afraid of giants. Fast forward to the three servants. One servant fails, why? Because he was afraid. Now, I want to point something out. Who was the third servant afraid of? He was afraid of his master. I'm about to preach if you'll hang with me. Because what did he say? I knew you, master, to be a hard man. In other words, you get your way. I come to remind somebody that God is sovereign and he always gets his way and he always has the final say. I come to preach to some people today, you've been laboring, you've been wiggling on the fence, you've been trying to negotiate with God and I need to let somebody know that you need to hear me. You need to quit trying to negotiate with God because God always gets his way in the end and he's not going to let his kingdom be held up just because you are stubborn and hard-headed. Some people would do well to take a lesson, to take a look in the mirror and go, you know what, I need to get on God's team. Whatever team God is on, that's the team I'm on because that's the team that's going to win. I need to remind somebody today that God is God and you are not. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Sometimes I look at the television, I tell that TV, them people on there are not God. 
So I'm scrolling on my Facebook just like the rest of y'all. I don't actually have Facebook. That's a lie. But I'm scrolling on the Internet, and I see these people, and I see things that they say, and I have to remind myself those people are not God. They're not going to have their way in the end. God is going to have his way because he is a just and a hard master. He will have his way in the end. I love being at the gay church because we're a people that we say, whatever God does, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Amen? But now that being said, I come with a message because I love you. I'm going to risk offending you right here on game day. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we are like the people of Israel. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try that again. You and I, we have nothing to lose, but we have everything to gain because the joy of being a Christian is not to wear my fancy clothes to church on Sunday, and it's not just to stomp and holler when the music and the beat is just right. The joy that we have of being Christians and being Christ followers, the joy that we share in together is to serve our Lord, to serve our King, and to serve our Master, and to serve Him well. And I believe that this church is called and set apart unto this common cause, that we are not here because we look the same. We're not here because we always sound the same. We're drawn together by Jesus' perfect love and his perfect sacrifice that it has not only made a way, it has called us into a kingdom of light. Living in that kingdom requires something of you and it requires something of me. It requires me to give my life to him and to the people that he has called me to. I need to remind somebody today, you're not just saved, you're called. You're not just saved, you are called. You were put on this planet for such a time as this. There are days I wish I could wake up in the morning and put on my chaps and belt on my six guns and live in the Old West. But Jordan was not born to conquer the Wild West. Jordan was born to live right here in 2022 and 20 and 23 because God is doing something in me today. He's doing something in you today. And our city is waiting, and they are listening, and they are watching. The Bible says that creation is groaning for the sons and the daughters of God to take their place. You need to hear me, friend. I am waiting. This city is waiting, and God is waiting for you to realize that you're not just a number. You're not just another white man, not just another black man, not just another Hispanic man. You're not just another woman, not just another woman of color. You were built and made in your mother's womb by the hand of a perfect and faithful creator. He has put his thumbprint on you and he has breathed his life into you. Your sins have been covered by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. I need you. This city needs you. The world needs us. This nation needs us. Look in the mirror and remind yourself that you weren't just born you were created you're not just broken your price has been paid and you have been called find your place find your identity and find your voice because you were born and made for such a time as this
I know it, you know it, I feel it, you feel it. But why don't we do it? The scripture says that our enemy goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking in that context is another word for what? Hunting. What's a lion do? He hunts. A lion can only be a lion. So a lion don't just go seeking around looking for a lollipop one day. He's not going for an ice cream shake. Anytime a lion is seeking, what's he seeking for? Pray, something easy, something soft and bloody that he can put his teeth into. Don't you know that our enemy is that way? I'm, you think I'm being funny, but I'm preaching. Your enemy walks around all the time hunting, and he's looking for someone who ain't paying attention. He's looking to someone that doesn't know God's word. He's looking for someone that's singled out all by theirself, someone that he can get to because why? A lion is a lion, and he don't know nothing except killing Oh, that is such good preaching right there. I need to remind you, you can't flirt with the enemy. You can't negotiate with the enemy. I'm preaching right there. You can't negotiate with him. You can't go out to dinner with him. You can't be running around at the club after dark with him because why? A lion is a lion is a lion. And if you turn your back on him, he's going to eat you, friend. Somebody, somebody might need to take an assessment of your life, take an assessment of your home, take an assessment of your marriage. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. I'm talking to some men that you need to kick the chair in on the recliner and push up off of your Holy Ghost tushy and start walking around your house and say, where is the lion? Where is the enemy getting in my house? Where is he trying to steal from me? Where's he trying to kill what's mine? You feel me? And I don't have to preach to him. I'm just going to testify. I know that they is some praying mamas in here. That you, you already walk in the perimeter because he's in there taking a nap. But y'all walking in the kitchen cooking green beans y'all unpackaging the ham hock to put in the crock pot and what are you doing the enemy's not gonna have my kids the enemy's not gonna have my husband lord you encourage that man lord this is holy ground this is my house in there making sweet tea putting in the sugar stirring up the tea this is god's house i will live and not die I might be wearing some hand-me-down high heels, ain't even got the red bottom on them, but I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming, and I am blessed going. Are there any mamas in here that'll help me testify? You got to watch out for that lion. That's good preaching right there. I like that. I love the gay church. You could, I would, there ain't no better place to preach than right here. Holy cow. What's his weapon against us? You got to remember, lions are sneaky. Right? So they strut and they talk a big game and you know they're big and they're proud, but when they're on the hunt, what do they do? Crawling through the grass. You ever seen a lion doing his thing in Africa? I'm telling you, that'll put the fear in you. Natural born killers. You know what the enemy does to you? He sneaks through the grass. You know how our, how our enemy works? So he deceives. He works through lies. He doesn't tell you the truth. He doesn't tell you who he really is or what he's really up to. What's the perfect lie? It's a counterfeit. Looks like the truth. Sounds like the truth. Feels like the truth. Except then it ain't. 
So what's his weapon against us? He uses lies and deceit to do what? Trick us into a trap called fear. Fear. Here's something I've learned about fear. It never starts yelling at you. It always starts whispering. The same way that the enemy attacked Eve in the garden was through what? Questions. So when the enemy wants to come with you and I with fear, what does he do? He comes with questions. What was his first question in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say, my Lord... I feel like if I jumped, I would go straight through the roof right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know we're doing Holy Ghost work in here because we're shining a spotlight on the lies of the enemy. He walked into the garden and he said, did God really say? And I can't help but wonder if I was one of the 12 spies that day or if I was one of the people of Israel listening to the report from the reconnaissance team. I can't help but wonder if I hear about giants and then all of a sudden the enemy runs in the room and he starts getting in people's ears saying, did God really say? say that this is the land because them giants sure are big those city walls sure are big don't you know that that's how the enemy gets to you and how he gets to me right when we get on the border right when we're standing on the precipice of a promise what does he do he shows up and he gets in our ear and he starts saying did God really say did God really say? You know what he starts reminding you of? Do you remember what happened last time you stepped out in faith? Do you remember the last time you started to try to own a business? Do you remember what happened the last time you told the wife, your wife, your your wife the truth? Do you remember what happened and how they responded? Do you remember what happened, lovely wife, when you tried to tell your husband how you really felt? Do you remember what happened? Did God really tell you that's how he wants you to do it? Because I think it would be safer for you to just stay right here where you're at. The enemy shows up and he says, God's asking mighty big things of you. He's so kind and so nice and so loving. Do you really think that he would ask you to risk your life so that your children don't have to live as slaves? That doesn't seem fair to me. Maybe you should just stay on the border. The master is a hard man and he always settles his accounts. Don't you reckon it would be safer for you to hold on to your talent and go bury it in the dirt rather than do anything with it? And we're holding our talents in our hand. We're listening to the report that says the land is everything that God said it was. And we start looking and we start listening to questions. And here's the thing. If you start to answer the questions out of your own soul, you're going to arrive at a bad conclusion. I come to the gate church today because I believe there are people that you're listening to me, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching me through that camera, you've been hiding your talent in the dirt. And you've been content, oh Lord help me, you have been content to live on the border, looking across the river saying the promise is right over there. Let me tell you something, it's one thing to be close to your promise, it is something else entirely to inhabit it. 
There is some people that you have been comforting yourself with not good enough. You have been comforting yourself to live in a wilderness time, a wilderness place, a wilderness season saying, I'm really close to my promise. But I believe that God is talking to some people in this room today that the time of living on the border is done. The time of burying your talent is done. I believe that the Holy Spirit is stirring up within some people that now is my time. Now is your time. It's one thing to be there and look over. It's another thing to listen to the report. Something else entirely for you to put your big boy boots on, your big boy pants on, walk across the river and say, I'm going to live in everything that God has promised me. I believe there are some marriages in this room that we have settled and we have played and we have negotiated with questions from the past long enough. It is time for some husbands and some wives to get serious about who is God asking us to be. We're going to quit dancing around the elephants in the room. We're going to quit dancing around the things that need to be said. We're going to hit our knees in prayer and ask for God's help, and then we're going to get honest and look each other in the eye and say, with God's help, I have given you my word and given you my covenant. I may not be good at loving you, but I'm going to get good at loving you because what God is asking us to be and do is greater than what we have been in the past. Somebody is going to have to get the bull by the horns. Somebody's going to have to run the lion out of the house and start to get serious about, I'm going to have what God told me I can have. What's amazing about when God comes into our midst, every one of us, we can't point our finger at the children of Israel and look and see how they have failed. We can't point our finger and condemn them because the truth is we all have sinned and fallen short. We all have suffered and lived with a slave mentality that at the first sign of resistance, we crumble and fall apart. We all have done that. But here's what's beautiful. Here's why God starts with the most important thing, and that is this. Before we ever get to the border, before we ever do reconnaissance, what does God say? Let me come and live in your midst. Let me come and live in your midst. I've been so amazed and so humbled by God's faithfulness to this congregation. He's been so consistent and so true and so faithful, so merciful. He shows up time and time and time and time again. I've got a document on my laptop, and it's just a page of names and what God has healed people from. Healed, 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 healed. There's people in this room that we had the privilege of praying with you a few weeks ago when you were fighting a self-destructive spirit, a self-destructive line, and you were battling then, and I see your faces today. Here's what I know. God has been faithful when the enemy wanted your life. He has been faithful, and you still here, baby. Every day that your eyelids pop open and you, guess what? You're still in the fight because God is faithful. But here's what happens the longer we walk with his faithfulness. We come to a point where now we can no longer rest on our haunches. We have to give a response to his faithfulness because it's one thing for God to pick you. It's another thing for you to agree with him. 
That is good preaching right there. I like that. It is one thing for God to pick you and for God to call you and for God to give you special talents and abilities. It's one thing for him to give you a promise and a mission. It's another thing for you to believe it. And here's what happens. When God is in your midst and you start to say yes to him, yes, Lord, I agree with you. God, if you called me to do it, I'll do it. I might be shaking in my boots when I stand up there to do it, but God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do it. Guess what happens? When you start doing that with God, you go from being a slave to being a soldier. Oh, Lord, I love that right there. Let me tell you why being a soldier in the kingdom is so dangerous and so necessary. Because slaves don't occupy territory. Slaves don't occupy territory. Soldiers do. I'm staring at you because I'm wondering if I'm getting through to you this morning. It's soldiers that occupy a land. It's soldiers that will stand up, and sometimes you are scared to death. But when you've got God on your side and his name on your lips, you can put one foot in front of the other. I believe an old cowboy said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. I believe that when you're a soldier and you know that God has called you, he's given you an assignment, and he's given you a promise. I don't have to get up that morning and go, Hmm, do I feel like worshiping this Sunday morning? No, I know my place is down at the house of God. When you're a soldier in the kingdom, you don't have to wake up and go, hmm, do I feel like praying today? No, you wake up and both your boots hit the ground and say, I'm taking my place in prayer today. I'm taking my place on the wall today because there are people counting on me to help occupy the promise of God. I wonder, is there anybody in this room that you may look in the mirror and say, I don't know if I'm worthy of living in a promise, but can you fast forward the tape 10 years, 15 years and 20 years and start to imagine the church, the city, and the world that our children will have to live in. I wonder, is there anyone that when you walk past the kids department, you start to feel a sense of conviction come up on the inside of you, and you start to realize that we're not all here so that I can write more checks. I'm here to build a world. I'm here to fight battles so that my kids won't have to. I'll get muddy, and I'll get bloody so that my children can harvest grapes. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to going to build, I'm going to study, I'm going to preach, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to love so that my children can come up in Oklahoma City and they can live in the promises of God. I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to tell you why. Because my giants that stand in front of me are not the obstacles between me and my promise. They are the footstools and the footstones that we will walk over. And while we step over giants, what are we saying? to the world. Look at how great my God is because we were addicted. We were divorced. I was hooked on this and hooked on that, looking at what I shouldn't have been looking at, thinking about what I shouldn't have been thinking about. I was a nobody. I didn't know what the word said, but God has been faithful. And I kept saying yes. I kept saying yes. I kept saying yes. And let me tell you something, Gate Church, there is a city watching us. They're counting. They're watching. And here's what they need to see. They need to see some soldiers who are willing to get out of the bed because I'm not afraid of my master and I'm not afraid of the lies of the enemy. I'm going to build, conquer, and I will have everything that God told me I can have. Let me tell you something, church, I ain't done yet. His promise over us is that we will live in a land of milk and honey. 
that there will be more than enough and that our children will go further than we have gone. They will dream dreams that we couldn't dream. They'll live in unity that we had to fight for. My God, I wish somebody would help me preach. Oh, Lord. There's more than enough. God is with us, and I say if he be with us, then who can stand against us? The battles that we fight today will be God's glory tomorrow. I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. How am I qualified? You ain't. And neither am I. When the enemy whispers in your ear, God's asking too much. You can't do it alone. He's not necessarily wrong. What happens when they talk about us? What happens when we have to go home and face questions like, why do you go up there and worship with all those people of color? Why don't you come back over here and be with your people? You know how we do it and how we like to do it. Then there's the other side of the coin. Why are you up there at that church with that white pastor? Why us? Why me? What happens when we have to bear the reproach and bear the shame of a promise? What happens when you have to face the backside of a blessing? Listen, Jay-Z was right. More money, more problems. I'm not going to quote him on much, but I will quote him on that. (laughs) So you believe in God for an increase today. What happens when you get the problems that go with an increase? You start looking around saying, God, how how did I deserve this? How did I get here? I promise you, friend, I know those feelings and I know those questions. Perhaps what the Lord does for me will help you as well. You might be a grasshopper in the sight of your enemy. When I look at all this, y'all, I'm from the holler. Upper Hightower Road, Mount Pleasant Church of God, a little church on the hill. It's a beautiful, beautiful church, beautiful congregation, amazing pastor. But this is the space age. Listen, listen, y'all know our smoke machine's got a mind of their own. Where I come up, if I'd have seen smoke like that, I'd have went, the building's on fire or the Shekinah is here. (laughs) Hey, we're here, right? I don't, how did we get here? How did? (laughs) Hiding under the bed, scared when I was a little kid. I had a fear problem, scared of the dark. Hiding under the house, afraid. How do, how do we deserve this? I'm going to tell you why and how. How do we know that those promises are possible? Because there was a perfect man named Jesus. And that when the wolves came, he didn't run. And in the garden, in his moment of turmoil... He had the strength and humility to say, God, 
nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know, the ultimate soldier, the ultimate man was Jesus, who facing a penalty that he didn't deserve to pay, said, yes, Lord, I will go for them. And when he hung on the cross and his lifeblood poured out in its final drops, what did he say on your half, your behalf and on my behalf? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have struggled with fear. We all have dug our talent and hid it in the ground at different times. We all have been content to live in a wilderness land instead of manning up and womaning up and going into our promise. We all have fa failed. We all have fell into the trap of fear. But the scripture says that his perfect love casts out all fear. Feeling and understanding God's love sometimes is more complicated for us than what we like to talk about. We don't like to admit it, especially in church, but sometimes we say that, but we don't feel nothing. And there's so many times that we get dealt the cards that life deals us, and we will find ourselves asking, God, I thought you loved me. And why is it going the way that it's going? We start to step out and go across the river and live in our promise, and we meet immediate resistance, and we start going, this is a, this is a mistake. My band will come, please. But his perfect love casts out that fear. What is his love? It's his cross. It's his cross. How do I know that there's a promise? How do I know that I can live in it? Because Jesus went to the cross. Because that cross stands as a beacon in the dark. It's the marker of all time. It separates what was old from what is new. The whole universe circulates around, makes trips around, and has eyes focused on that one perfect selfless act that a man and a God who he knew no sin, he became sin for us. How do I know that he loves me when I get the report? How do I know he loves me when the fight comes? How do I know he loves me when my marriage feels like it's crumbling? Because of the cross. The most perfect demonstration of love that there has ever been or will ever be. His cross was real and vibrant 2,000 years ago. And the blood is still red today. It still holds the power and the testimony that our God is not against us. That his heart and his thoughts and his actions are for us and they are toward us. Never one time has he turned his back on us. Never one time has he averted his eyes from us. Because the scripture says that his eyes search to and fro across the whole earth looking for someone whose heart is fully towards him. The scripture says that God has demonstrated this love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us here's what that means when you buried your talent 
And when you were camped out in the river and too afraid to go over, he died for you. He died for you. The scripture also says this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I come to remind somebody today, it doesn't matter how long you've camped out in the wilderness. It doesn't matter how long you've had your talent buried in the ground. All that matters is you're willing to pick yourself up today and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And if you said I can have it, I'm going to believe it too. How do I know that even when I fight the battles that it'll be worth it? It's hard when you have to go home and face questions. It's hard when you have to work things out in a marriage. It's hard when you have to teach your kids why the world is the way it is and why God says to to do the things the way we do them. Sometimes it's hard. How do I know that it's going to be worth it? How do I know it's going to be worth it when I open my hand and give to God and give to the city? How do I know? The scripture says this. We know it will be good because God did not spare his own son, but he delivered his son Jesus up for all of us. And so how now will he not give us all things? Here's what that means for you and I, friend. God already gave his best. Try that over here. God has already given his best. God has already given his best. What else is he withholding from you? What else is he withholding? Some money would be nice. Bigger house would be nice. Well, let me tell you what his son means. Peace. Peace. Forgiveness. Get no help. His son means righteousness. I'm going to keep naming things, and if I name one that you can buy, you wave at me. Holiness. Because you and I weren't worth saving, according to the world. He saved us, and he has called us holy. You've been set apart. His son means that you got a ticket to participate in new creation. It doesn't matter how many times you've had to start over. The scripture says that, behold, he has made all things new. That means it doesn't matter who you were in the hood or who you were in the holler. With Jesus on your side, you get a fresh start and a fresh beginning. You get a new name, a new title, a new inheritance, a new calling. Have I named anything yet you can buy? You can take all your money and pack it in the trunk of your Mercedes and drive it back to the neighborhood. And you can pop the trunk. And you know what they're going to call you? The same name they called you the day you left. But God Almighty looks down from heaven and he speaks over you and I a new name, son. Son, daughter, chosen one, called one, set apart one. That's what his son and his cross says to us. 
You say, I still don't know, preacher, man. I've been burned a lot. I'm afraid. I understand. But God has not given us. This was the first memory verse I ever learned. I was so afraid of the dark that I would lay in the bed like this. And sometimes I would shake. I was so afraid. And my wife can vouch for me. I would be so afraid I'd cross my legs like this at the ankle trying to pull myself together. And to this day, I still sleep like that. just out of habit. And my mama figured out what was going on and she, she taught me this verse. In any time in my life I've ever been tormented, I would speak this verse. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The last promise I want to tell you about today is that the promise over you and the promise over me is not that life will be easy. The promise over you and I is that no matter where we go and no matter what we have to face, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't want you to stand. I want you to stay sitting. You can stand if you already are. That's okay. But right wherever you're at right now, just close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Two people I want to pray for. You say, I don't know this Jesus. Or I've sure not had this kind of experience that you're talking about. I need to know Jesus. So you may have given your life to him some time ago. Maybe it's a thing where me and Jesus hadn't walked together in a long time. So that's person number one. You say, I need to know Jesus, regardless of the circumstances. If that's you, just wave at me. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's watching you. I see you. I see you. The second person is this. Preacher, man, I want to believe that there's good things in the future. I want to believe that God is with me, that God's going to help me. But sometimes I'm scared to death. I want to be free of torment. I want to be free of anxiety. I want to be free of fear and depression. I want to be free. If that's you in here and you're saying, I got to be free to go to a new place, just wave at me. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's taking your name. I see hands, 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 hands. Just keep holding them up. Just wave at me. You say, I got to be free, man. I see hands. I see hands, 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 hands. All right, if you're here today, and you say, I need to know Jesus in a fresh way. Y'all pray this prayer with me. Jesus, Jesus, I know that you are Lord and King. I believe in you. And I believe that you've paid the price for all of my sins. Lord, forgive me. Wash me clean inside and out cleanse my mind and heal my body I know that you're faithful to do it be my king be my savior and be my lord in Jesus name 
Amen and amen. Church, can you help me celebrate? I had y'all put your hands down, but there's people waving, saying, I need to know Jesus. That they've just been introduced to Jesus in a new way. Now, don't pack up just yet. Close your eyes back again. If you were in here and you just pray, and you said, man, I need deliverance in my mind. I need deliverance in my body from fear, torment, anxiety, depression, trauma from the past, memories that won't go away. So I'm being specific right here to help you on purpose. Memories that won't go away. Things that were said that hurt me and won't go away. Feelings, even smells that I smelled when bad things happened, they won't go away. It's tormenting me. And it's causing me to be afraid. It's paralyzing me to stay where I'm at. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to have you pray with me. Lord, I pray over those that are fighting and struggling in here in this room. And Lord, by the authority that you've given us all in the Word of God, I tell that lie and that spirit of fear and wickedness to take its hands off of God's people. I speak to you, enemy. You cannot and will not have what belongs to God. Those hearts and minds that you torment are blood-bought and paid for. They do not belong to you. Lord, I lift up those that are believing for breakthrough. And Lord, I speak peace in Jesus' name. The Prince of Peace is in this room, and he is ministering peace to you. And it's in his name I pray peace to you, peace to the lives, peace to the memories, peace to the pain and the torment, and peace to fear. I speak over you, congregation, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching me online, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now pray this with me. If that was you and you just received, you just pray this with me. We're going to concrete it right here. God, I receive your peace in my life. Lord, heal me and cleanse me. I don't want fear in my life. I reject it. I reject it. And I want it to leave me. And I want it to leave me. Fear, leave me alone. Fear, leave me alone. In Jesus' In name. Jesus name. My mind and my heart. My mind and my heart. It's not your home. It's not your home. And it's not your dwelling it's place. Not your dwelling place. I am and I will be. I am and I will be. Everything, Everything that God has made me God and called me to be. Called me to be. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus amen name. and amen and amen and amen. Now, if you will, if you're thankful for God's goodness, His faithfulness over you, will you stand on your feet? And can we just give God some glory for just a moment? Hey, doesn't matter how big the enemies are. It doesn't matter how dark the night is. God is good. And God is faithful. If God is with you, you be well able. Come on, I wish somebody would give a soldier's praise and a soldier's shout to the King and to the Lord of Lords. Come on, he's breaking it off of you. Thank you all for being so patient today. You've been a privilege to spend some time with today. On behalf of the team and I, we love you all so much. You guys know we got game day. We've got some fun stuff planned because, you know, we believe in relationships and having fun because serving Jesus is supposed to be the best game in town. So we're going to have some fun together. And so just a couple of things I want you all to know is that we have burgers and hot dogs ready for you outside the cafe doors. That's this way. 
okay? <coughs> we have all sorts of games ready and prepared. And adults, here's a great opportunity for you to prove to other people that you're not such a stick in the mud and you can play games too and have some fun. Okay, so we want to see some adults partying and having fun. And then after we eat, we're going to have a kickball game. Now, I know that there's some adults in here that need to show that what you had in the third grade, you still got it. Okay, you're going to send that kickball clear over them mountains. Okay, so after we eat, we're going to be playing kickball. But here's the thing, to play kickball, you got to sign up. So while we're eating, make sure you sign up. There's a table outside on the sidewalk for you to sign up. And then as you sign up, that'll help us pick teams. Now, one other matter of housekeeping. Don't forget that we're on a journey together. It's important that we stick together and stay together. Okay, next week is going to be an amazing week. We're looking forward to seeing you here and worshiping together. The word is going out next week, and so we're expecting to see you here. Holly and I love you. This team that helps lead the house loves you. God loves you. Go eat some hamburgers and hot dogs and be blessed. We believe that today this we, we heard a mighty word of God. Are you one of those who the enemy is asking, did God really say? Be encouraged today that God has promises are yes and amen. If you accepted Christ in your life today or you joined in this prayer for the enemy to get out of your life because of fear, we are believing with you this week that you will see the manifest power of God working in your life. Reach out through, uh, to us through the connection card. Let us know. Don't do it by yourself. You are not alone. You might be watching online. You might be outside of this country. But we want to be there and we want to do life with you. I know what I'm going to be doing this week. I'm going to arise and take my place. Walk the borders of the territory that God has given me. The, the promises that God has made me. And I'm going to rise up as a soldier, not as a slave. I will take, I will occupy, and I will, I will inherit what God has given to me. Will you do the same thing? We are believing with you as you send up your prayer today, as you join hearts with us today, that God will show himself faithful in your life. Have a blessed week, and we would love to see you back again next week, same time, same place. Go and be a soldier, not a slave. For we were not given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Have a blessed week.